the slight moving of the needle is exactly what need needed to happen, what needs to happen in order for them to feel pressure. Because in reality, the, the people of the country alone can't do it. They need to feel pressure from all around them right. for them to, to start to crumble. Yeah. I mean, it's just the reality of it. Okay, so what we're here for, and we're going to, I think we've both been busy, not quite able to prep perfectly for this, but the, the last video that we put on our Instagram thing, uh, which by the time this goes out might be like a second to last or something, was about protests in Cuba Yes, uh, after the arrest of Denis Solis and also of several members of the San Isidro movement. It was like 12, uh, right? Was it 12? Something like that. Yeah. It, it, 12 or four, for some reason 14 is the number in my head, but I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so that spread a lot. And I think that we were both happy with the fact that, you know, even though we're not necessarily the authorities on the issue. No, no. I think we did something to yeah. bring it to people's attention. And, and somewhere in, you know, the thousands of people who saw that thing, somebody must have Googled. And I think, you know, I'm satisfied with that. So if we uh, gave information to one person that didn't have the information before for them to then repost something that wasn't a dumb meme something that actually brought some substance right and then somebody else did the same thing and you know and i still don't think enough people talked about it and i still don't think enough people are talking about it because it's easy to just shut it down right right um i think that we i mean i'm very proud of that and that's why we're doing this again right so just to give a little bit of an update uh on i guess sort of the facts on the ground which Again, I'm sure we're going to miss things, but I would encourage people to follow uh, on social media things like Movimiento San Isidro, uh, like Cuba Decide, like Rosa Maria Payá, uh, like uh, the members of Movimiento San Isidro, which I don't want to isolate any of them. You can go on there and find them tagged and follow them. Right. Uh, But uh, I believe when we recorded the last time, where things were was that these people had been arrested, uh, and then by the following morning, they had been mostly released. They had been uh, right. basically sent back to their homes, right? which was already kind of weird in any context other than the Cuban context, right? Where they were doing this weird, like, you're not going to prison, but you got to go home and not here, and we got to yeah. tell you where to go. And we've seen video of one of these members, and I'm sure it's happened to multiple of them, basically being told, like, you cannot leave your home. So right, she's right. not under house arrest in any technical sense. Right. But as soon as she attempts to leave her home to yeah, go practically leave. anywhere. You can't leave. Right. And there's it's either a, a cop outside the house or neighbors. And this is a thing. Yeah, and this is a thing that, that, you know, maybe will be the takeaway for people who are totally uninitiated. Uh the the regime does this very deliberately, right? And and we'll get into another version of this because we both saw a video from the protest that the Canel was at. Uh, right. which I believe happened after we recorded the last one. Right, yeah, it was. Uh, so people will, the government will coordinate, uh, let's call call them citizens, because that's ultimately what they are, but they are uh, sort of in league and in coordination, coordinated by the Cuban government 
to carry out uh, various types of, of political speech on the street, right? Whether it's what's termed uh, an acto de repudio, which is a reference that Rosa Maria made when she was on our on our podcast, uh, which translates to literally to act of repudiation. So it's like a coordinated effort to like get all of your neighbors on your block to go and be outside your house and yell at you that you're a piece of shit and right. whatever else it might be. And so various versions of that have happened. What are what are just, and I know. Yep, we're continuing. What are their tactics to get them to do that? So, in, in other words, what what does the Cuban government do to get citizens to participate in this? Right. Other so, than fear. Right. So, I mean, and it's a variety of things, right? Because uh, none of this is black and white either. Like, there are people, however wrong we might think they are, <coughs> who believe in this shit. Yeah. Right? And who have been thoroughly, you know, uh, you know convinced or brainwashed or whatever you want to say. But ultimately, I mean, the way that you get those numbers is, uh, and even part of the brainwashing, if you don't participate, it is noticed and it's made note of, uh, and you might have trouble uh, getting certain employment, or your kids might have issues at school, or um, when the next time that you do something illegal that they've been letting slide, uh, you know, maybe you've been, I don't know, buying milk on the black market which is a thing in cuba because uh, you're not supposed to give milk to kids over a certain age in your household so maybe your kid's 13 and you want to get them some milk and whatever there are all these things that they can leverage and so like you said there there is that constant fear of like if i don't go to this protest if i don't go to this rally if i don't clap loud enough in a speech like you know if my kids don't sign up to be part of this youth communist thing uh what are the repercussions going to be for me uh, and that's part of what Rosa Maria was talking about, right? When she said there are families who exist outside of the outside of that communist structure, and I'm struggling to remember what exact phrasing she used. My family was different from the majority of the Cuban families in in the in the sixties, seventies, and eighties, in the sense that um, they were never part of the system. They were never part of the of what the probably of what the American people knows by the revolution mm. or the or the Cuban Communist Party, and which and that's a very peculiar characteristic. It's not it's not something that a lot of families did uh, in Cuba, especially not in the in the last half of the of the communism in the island. At the beginning, of course, many 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 families. Were uh, were against immediately against what was taking place. Many of them were forced to exile. Others were lady also forced to exile. Yeah. And uh, in the late eighties and in the nineties, um, the situation was more or less was more or less uh, controlled by uh, by the regime. Maybe some people didn't quite know what she meant. Because ultimately, you're in Cuba under that government. That's the sort of thing that I believe she's talking about is that, you know, to the extent that it's even possible, you refuse to even participate in those things, right? And, and right. Uh, do your own thing to the extent that it's possible without literally leaving. Right. Uh, so the the parallel thing that we were talking about, after we recorded that, you know, we were discussing that, uh, that protest at the culture ministry's building. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe a day or two later, uh, Miguel Díaz-Canel, who is the president of Cuba, uh, showed up to a protest that was supposedly spontaneous. Uh, 
that was like a pro-government rally, which had tons of people, as do all the government rallies in Cuba, just like their voter participation rate is like in the 90% or something, because of course it is. Right. Um, and he was, while there had been some talk of, you know, maybe the government will dialogue with these people. Yeah, go just uh, timeline-wise, and I, I could be, mm-hmm. but what happened first was they there was like this meeting of um, certain people from that protest that were in front of the cultural ministry right. with the actual government, to which then they said that they would have dialogue, right. they would have open dialogue with them to come to a commonality some kind of common ground or whatever then what happened next was this right this thing so i'll i'll, I'll read a bit this is uh, an nbc news piece uh from november 30th we're recording this december 5th but to give people a sense of what the timeline Time, was yeah. so after a groundbreak after a groundbreaking protest and a rare meeting over the weekend between artists and a vice minister cuba's government has dashed the hopes of activists who had been promised a dialogue over freedom of expression and an urgent review of a jailed rapper's case. That jailed rapper, of course, is Denis Solis, who we talked about earlier in this and the other recording. The communist-run government brought on a barrage of attacks Sunday on state-run television, digital sites, and social media. President Miguel Díaz-Canel called the protests a, quote, farce, end quote, and a, quote, imperialist reality show, end quote, and accused the United States of being behind the movement. So as part of their accusation here... They were talking about that one of the members of the San Isidro movement had uh, written something for ADN Cuba, uh, which is a, a sort of dissident news site that uh, supposedly has gotten funding from USAID. Um, and then uh, also that they had like ridden in cars at some point uh, with people from the U.S. embassy, which is like, so what? Yeah, you know, if people here ride in cars with people from government and and do things that are supported by, and in Cuba too, that are supported by foreign governments, and Cuba supports all kinds of shit, out in, in the outside world, right? Like, are the people who do anything with Cuban support in Venezuela, in Bolivia, in Mexico, uh, in the Middle East, is the Cuban government prepared to say that they are being manipulated by the Cuban government? No, of course not. It's a it's a total double standard that only works to you know right. to accuse people who are your your opponents of uh, of not being sincere in what they're saying. I mean, basically, he was admitting to the fact that the pressure that was um, and you could tell me if I'm wrong here, but what it seemed like from where I was sitting was he admitted to the pressure that was being given. Other than just the pressure that was being given in Cuba, which was the pressure from Cuban Americans in Miami, Cuban Americans, Cubans of people of Cuban descent from around the world, just that slight, small, like moving of the needle that we saw on social media for three days is what basically pushed them to that same saying that there was, um, I think it was meddling. Right. Uh, the North was meddling with affairs of Cuba in which we are very capable of handling ourselves. Right. And and they'll do that for practically everything, right? It's yeah. sort of their go-to move of saying, well, you're uh, a part of some coordinated effort to bring down some coordinated Yankee effort to bring right. down this government and all the rest. Uh, so it's not a new, it's not a new thing, but definitely I think the fact that the Acanel was at a street protest 
that they bothered to put together is an indication that this was not just like a any other dissident run-in with authorities, right? There, more came out of this, and the fact that he involved himself at all, uh, I think, speaks to the pressure, not only from the outside, the but also from the inside. Yeah, it's yeah. just, you can't come out and say, well, this is just our own citizens not liking stuff. Right, right. You have to say, this is all of the the, the Miami Mafia and the CIA and all that, because it, it, it sounds extra absurd if right. you say, like, you know, that there's something just inherently wrong with people voicing, you know. Uh, well, I mean, to me, it shows a little bit, and I could be wrong, but it shows a little bit that they, within themselves, are a little fearful if they're going to put that guy on the front lines at a protest to say these things. He was told by somebody to be there. Oh, of course. He didn't go on his own accord and put himself there. Right. Um, he just He just didn't. And it shows that the slight moving of the needle is exactly what need needed to happen, what needs to happen in order for them to feel pressure. Because in reality, the the people of the country alone can't do it. They need to feel pressure from all around them right. for them to to start to crumble. Yeah. I mean, it's just the reality of it. Well, and I think it's uh, the some of the indicators of that pressure. It's also who they saw, like what dominoes they saw fall, even if only temporarily, right? Uh, so that's... The big name Cuban artists like Leoni Torres and Jorge Peruorria, who we mentioned in that other video. So Leoni Torres is a basically a pop salsa timba star, uh, and Peruorria is a is a very famous Cuban actor. He was in Fresa y Chocolate, which is the thing that, especially outside of Cuba, he's best known for, uh, which is a very good movie, uh, albeit a, a communist production. Uh, oh, yeah, but uh, but it's it's far and away like his uh, uh, his sort of best known thing i think uh outside of cuba and so those two were at that protest right saying that they were gonna you know they were at least in favor of these people being heard which if you're you know in the figurative communist tower right watching all this from above it's like oh shit those two who were not there yesterday are there now right you know and and what does that mean like to, to a certain degree it's the same thing as you know the impact of celebrities in politics here like there's a reason why any politician, you know, wants celebrities at their events. It's why Bernie Sanders wants Killer Mike. It's why, you know, people want Bob De Niro. That's, you know, it's, it's why I guess, you know, Republicans have a harder time with it. But it's why I guess Trump wants Ted Nugent and Ralph Macchio. And Kid Rock. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, uh, no, is it? No, Ralph. Does Ralph Macchio. Uh, oh. Is Ralph Macchio a, a Trumper? What it is is that my dad recently confused Ralph Macchio with the Happy Days guy. Uh, killing it in the last oh man, yeah, ball stretching and Ralph Macchio. Hold on, this is the important research we're doing on the fly here. Happy Days cast. I can't believe I'm blanking on this guy's name. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, are you kidding me? Scott Bayo. Oh, Scott Bayo. Scott Bayo. Yeah, yeah, Scott Bayo. Yeah. That's a, he's a trumper. He's definitely a trumper. One, well, the yeah. baby. Oh, <laughs> and the baby. Right. And I think Takashi Six Nine showed up. Nine. He's not even registered yeah. to vote, so that's good. So all this is to say, like, that's why you want. Peruoria and Leoni Torres, uh, not to compare Peruoria to Takashi 6ix9ine. That's a weird comparison. You never know. You, who knows? Who knows you what that know. guy's into? Uh, uh, and, you know, he is, uh, I'm sure he has ratted somebody out in Cuba. Uh, so there's that comparison, too. You're talking about the, the guy from Fresa y Chocolate? Uh, yeah. Takashi 6ix9ine. Takashi 6ix9ine definitely has. That's like his oh. whole thing. Oh, yeah. They oh, rat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, that's, what, that's, what, that's where I'm saying the comparison is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, man, we've really taken that detour here. 
<laughs> this is classic punk <laughs> podcast fashion, man. Fucking hey. I hope the freedom of Cuba doesn't depend on this podcast. We turned, we went from like <laughs> see, see, well. see it, BBC to now we're just like an underground <laughs> like yeah, Scott ba- Scott Bayo. We finally figured ball, it out. Ball stretchers and Scott Bayo. <laughs> Next episode of Punk Podcast. Fuck. Um, but it's also people uh, on this side or people who split their time who begin to realize like the. I I am again. We talked about this in that last episode. Uh, they're in a position where they have to be more explicit. One example of that is uh, an an influencer blogger person who goes by Mima in Cuba. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, I'm not a fan of the work of Mima in Cuba. Uh, this is a person who, but if she ends up being useful to this movement, all the better. That's fine. Right. Uh, and. She uh, spends a lot of time in Cuba. I was going to say splits, which implies 50-50. I don't know whether that's the case or not. Uh, and while she has sort of like dipped her toe over the course of time in, in spreading content, uh, this post that sort of went viral was the most explicit that she'd been uh, about uh, the way that things were going in Cuba with this protest movement. Uh, and to her credit, she did you know, point people to the accounts of Movimiento San Isidro and all the rest. But I think that that post, and uh, some of you watching this may have seen it, is a good example because she mentions, like, this is the first time that, you know, that the youth in Cuba uh, have ever led a thing. And it's like, well, well, no, it's not. I mean, if it were, you just, if that's what you think, you just haven't been paying attention. Like, there, there have been youth people doing things in Cuba, Uh and and she also mentions, like, you know, in Cuba, some people don't even know that they can speak to It's like, well, I mean, what are you talking about? In Cuba, some people don't because they are afraid. Right. And it's worth pointing out. And I'm not saying that, like, that why it was that she phrased things the way that she phrased them. But my point is that she's been blogging from Cuba for years now. And things have happened in Cuba that she has not said anything about. Uh, but this event has put pressure on a, such a wide range of people. So I only bring her up as as an example of like somebody who wasn't born in Cuba, who doesn't live in, in Cuba full-time, who doesn't have the same risks as, say, Peru Urria, because Peru Urria is, is in Cuba, and if Peru, if he's on the wrong side of things, his career goes to shit. Yes. He took a risk. She doesn't have the same risk. Which is good, which is good. Exactly, I mean, it's good saying. for people of note to take a risk because if they disappear, people are going to notice. Right, and there's always the suspicion, and maybe sometimes it's well-founded, that all these characters, right, are somehow colluding. Like, oh, well, they're only trying to look like they're on the side of that so they can get close. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. But at the end of the day... I, I think that there's always... There's got to be some percentage of truth to that statement. Sure. Because there's no way for them to have that fame if the regime doesn't want them to have it. Right. It's just impossible. And that's the reality of Cuba. So if people want to think that these people are actually famous? No, they're only famous because the regime allows them to be famous because it helps the regime. This is the way Cuba works. Right. So we need people to understand that this is the kind of country we're dealing with. These are the people that we're dealing with. They do not allow you freedom. You're not allowed to be f- like freely famous, if that makes any sense. Right. You're famous because they allow you to be so. And then as soon as you are not um, assisting them, then you're putting yourself in danger. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Can we just talk cuz um and I'm sure I'm sure we're not totally done. But I, I think po- we've done about as good a job as we're going to do at this point. Like that's basically where things are in terms of you know what has 
happened since the last thing is right the guy he, came out the guy the puppet came out and he said the things that he said right which accused, was like yeah like accused people meddling of being, from the north yeah he was wearing a cuba shirt which is actually pretty comical because someone just got arrested for wearing the same shirt six months prior right which was referenced in a miami herald article right from what's her name sorry uh i don't remember your name the um one, the one that we talked about yes uh nora gamas there you go that's the one um I found it pretty interesting, something that you and I spoke about, and you can cut this out if you want to. No, that's fine. Um, talking about coverage of things in Cuba and why things don't get covered in Cuba the way that they should be covered, which is there's X amount of people that are allowed to report from Cuba that are not Cuban. Right. right. Can you unpack that so people understand why the information that comes out of Cuba is all very compartmentalized? Right. So, so the conversation that you and I had was about uh, – you being glad that people had started to report on this. Just that one article, really. Right. It was the one I was referencing at the time. Yeah. So um, so anyway, my feedback there was that I think the Herald is a little bit of an exception because they have the audience they have, and so they have a demand for Cuba news. Right. Uh, and also they have the staff they have, which by and large, whether people think that they lean left or right on domestic politics, the Herald is not a pro-Castro communist right. organization, especially at El Nuevo Herald, where they have so many uh, Cuban-born reporters, right? Like Nora, like I won't bother trying to name all of them. Right, right. Um, but as a general rule, uh, Cuba, and they're not unique in this, right? There are a lot of like free first world countries that do the same thing, uh, licenses journalists. And so you need, you need to be credentialed to do practically anything. Of course, when you have that setup in a repressive regime, what that ends up meaning is that if you say the wrong things in your reporting or you report on the wrong things or you talk to the wrong people or you say the wrong things, you risk not being allowed to be in the country anymore. Right. So it takes a certain like critical uh, – a critical mass of like importance of a story for all of this international press to come to it. Where, like, in the U.S., if – and it may very well be a good thing that in the U.S., if a cop shoots somebody uh, in some small town, uh, it makes international news. Maybe it's not all anybody thinks about in Tokyo, but, you know, it's covered by their correspondence or whatever. In Cuba, it took weeks of somebody being arrested for insulting a cop and a hunger strike and the whole thing for it to end up being covered by your Al Jazeera's, by, you know, whatever. Uh, by NBC, all that right. stuff, uh, and even at that time, it's like a, it's right. like a flash report. It's not like a right. We're gonna sit down and have like a round table about this like injustice of like lack of freedom in a country, right? And so part of the reason that I was saying anyway that it takes more of that, that it takes a heavier story to get that coverage out of Cuba, uh, is that. So many of these institutions want access to Cuba. Right. And they want access to Cuba when there's a big story. And that could be any number of things, right? There's some things that might qualify are like a pope is visiting Cuba. Obama went to Cuba. Yeah. Castro died. Raul Castro is no longer the president. Uh, whatever it might be. Gigantic like, stories. Right. And if, if, you, if, if you put your credentials at risk by reporting on this one dude nobody's ever heard of. Right being arrested because he insulted a cop, right. uh, then you put all of the notoriety that would have come with what you were hoping would happen with this gig, being a Cuba correspondent, at risk. It's also 
and the Cuba the Cuban government does control these things, which is why so few people have Havana bureaus, even though Havana is, I'm sure, a sexy place for a lot of these people to be, in theory. Uh, but I think it was like in 2006, the Dallas Morning News, I could be wrong on which Dallas paper, uh, but I'm pretty sure the Dallas Morning News um, got approval for a Cuba, a Havana bureau, and they were the first United States newspaper to have a Havana bureau since the 60s. So the New York Times didn't have a bureau. The Herald didn't have a bureau. Crazy, right? None of these people had bureaus. And this is a country 90 miles away. Like, imagine none of these countries having, you know, somebody permanently on their payroll in, like, I don't know, Toronto or Mexico City. Uh, it just doesn't happen. So uh, the AP is the only American newswire service um, that, that has a bureau. Reuters, which is British, also has a bureau. Um, but if, if you remember when, uh, when Obama was in Cuba, there was all this dissident activity, right? And then all these visiting journalists were like, all over the, some of those stories. And and some of them were like more hesitant. So it's always kind of interesting to observe like who's willing to go how far or and sometimes it's because they're willing to take risks because they think they're doing the right thing and other times it's because they're rolling the dice like maybe this is the big story I've been waiting for. Let me get in here early, you know, and see if 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 I end up in the right place at the right time. Uh all this is to say that it's a, it's a source of, I think, frustration for people in Cuba and Cubans outside of Cuba that the stories don't get told, right, with the same seriousness that they probably should. And at least to some degree, there is some amount of politicking. And I'll just add this last thing. When I, the first time I went to Cuba, one of the people, this was in 2008, one of the people who I met with was Guillermo Fariñas, who... Uh, is a well-known dissident. He's a winner of the... Actually, he and... They might be the only two? Or no? I think they're the only two individuals because the ladies in white also might have won this. Don't quote me on that. Although this is all on the record on uh, three cameras. Uh, But the... Yeah, the the Sakharov Prize for Freedom of Thought, um, which is awarded by the European Parliament, not the EU, but the European Parliament, I think was won by Juan Paya, Guillermo Fariñas, and the ladies in white, I think. Guillermo Fariñas, among many other things, was well known for having got on hunger strikes for internet access uh, in the early 2000s. So uh, when I met him, he was telling me a bit of his story and some of the, and because I was a journalist, he told me you know some of how it related to that. He had been a psychologist, uh, and in Cuba's uh, military special forces before he basically like went off on his dissident path. But as a psychologist, he was aware of certain programs in Cuba that, among other things, included profiling journalists who were credentialed to work in Cuba and then putting them all in compromising situations. So, for example, uh, if you are somebody who uh, is easier to get to, uh, I don't know, cheat on your wife or even not cheat on your wife, just do kinky, whatever, whatever it might be, Sure, they will make sure at some point that you cross paths with the right hooker right. and then end up in a hotel room that has cameras and the whole thing. you know, uh, So that then when the time comes that they find out that you're about to you know, pitch this or that story or they want you to write this or that thing, they'll let you know, like, here's what we have. Right. You can either leave or you can you know, do or not do this thing we want you to do or not do. Uh, and so that's sort of the other extreme, right? Like there's there's the internal 
sort of censorship and manipulation of like, I want access, I want to be able to do this, I want to, and I know what environment I'm in. And then there's when they actually take an interest and they say like, here's somebody we can manipulate. And it does happen. I've spoken to one of the people who had like firsthand knowledge of, of those programs. Uh, so it's, it's a thing. It's exhausting. <laughs> I'm exhausted. This has been a 20-minute podcast. It's... So anyway, I think that maybe the more, uh, or I'm not going to say it's not exhausting, but maybe the more like optimistic thing. Another thing that we've talked about is, you know, uh, I think we've observed and maybe expressed to each other a certain frustration that very little of the uh, conversation around this and the sharing of information around this comes with an easy sort of call to action. Right. Right. And, and an objective. Um, like, what do we do? Exactly. Right. And that doesn't have to be, I, I think a lot of people make the mistake of like, well, what can you do? What can I do to free Cuba? It's, it's not about just what will I do that makes Cuba free tomorrow? It's like, what is the, how do we move the ball? Right. And it's like with anything else, right? I'm sure you can relate this to things that you've worked on or whatever it is. Like it's, it's not Michelin star tomorrow. And if I don't have that plan, then nothing is worth doing. It's like, how do we get better tomorrow than we were today? Right. So I don't know what form this will take. Uh, but years and years ago, I had a, a, a little project when Pope uh, Benedict the 16th was going to Cuba. Uh, two friends and I uh, put it together, and the idea was that we were petitioning the Pope to meet with dissidents while he was in Cuba. Uh, it was called One Cuba. Uh, you might still be able to find that on Facebook, although maybe it's been like unpublished because it's been enacted, but we'll... I'll revive it. Maybe um, it's against Facebook uh, guidelines now. It could be. Could Who, be. Knows? Who knows? Who knows? Zuck. I'm going to spread all kinds Zuck's, of fake news. Zuck's out there just telling people how to do things. <laughs> uh, but, but anyway, so what what I'm saying is that I think, you know, we'll, we'll have some, at least some kind of like a petition campaign. And it doesn't have to be that success or failure is determined by like whether something changes in Cuba. I think it can be as simple as like, what if somebody who hasn't spoken up, we petition them to speak up? And then it's one more feather in the cap, right? Maybe it's Mark Zuckerberg. Maybe it's Mark Zuckerberg saying, hey, you know what? I'm not really into this guy being in jail. Somebody who hadn't said a word. What, where are you at, Zuck? Right. Are you listening, Zuck, or what? Maybe it's him. Maybe it's the Pope. Maybe it's the Bezos, Pope again. Bezos, aren't you Cuban too, Jeff? Be Jeff Bezos is another good one. Got more money in the whole fucking island, yeah. for fuck's sake. There you go. So Fuck. that's... Um, so I, I don't know where we'll go with this, but I think the idea is that we want to uh, make the contribution something that people can actually act on because so much of it has been, and I get it, and it's useful and it's necessary, but people asking everybody like, please share this story, but it's impossible. It's like it's 14 people in 14 different places in a country where information is hard to get out, where they're shutting off the internet, yeah, which by the way is another thing that happened. Off the internet. Uh, at, at their convenience. Uh, and so if we can find some way to like channel this energy into an actual thing that takes just a few moments to do and sure that, and then we capture those people and find the next thing that we ask them to do. And the next thing, I don't know whether that's a petition. Maybe it's something like, Hey, let's raise money to make sure that these people's cell phones are always, you know, charged or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. That's an option. Uh, I don't know who's currently, you know, funding them. Chances are very good that they have help from the outside, whether from family or whatever. For sure. Uh, That's not part of the rice budget. Right. So so there's a number of things that we can do, but I think that right now that's uh, my slash our focus. 
is, you know, other than doing these very amateurish updates on news from Cuba. I know. I mean, uh, we suck at this, but, I but mean, it's fine. But I mean, it's like someone's got to do it, right? Yeah. If, if if I know for a fact that there are people who didn't know about this except for what we said, so if if that's the role that we play, fine. That's amazing. Um, and uh, I feel accomplished. And if we can get those people to do a thing, all the better. You know, uh, even if it's a small thing, um, we'll. Uh, we'll make the focus just finding some kind of consensus point. So yeah, that's uh, that's the very roundabout way of saying that we uh, intend to move from uh, these things, which maybe we'll keep doing if we still think there's value. I into... think it's like an average of 36 hours that I ask you, like, so what, what are we going to do? <laughs> what are we doing? Like, who do we give our money to? What's going on? I don't have any money, but what who, if we give money to someone, who are we giving it to? Right. And I don't know. There's like no answer. Yeah. Because we... I think the a lot of times people who do care feel like they and I can I can sympathize with this they don't know where to put that care. Right. For for me personally the only way I can put that care somewhere is in what we're doing right now. Right. But if there was somewhere else for me to put it, I would and I would try and I would do whatever I could to try to, you know, do something cuz it, it's not like we're going to march into the country right and do something. Well, I don't know. With all of our chef knives, shit's you know, like I. It's if just, anybody has knives, it's the chefs. Yeah, that's true. That's true. This may be the move. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, I think a lot of times there, especially in the last year, there's been movements for things, and then there's been call to action for things, whether they have, whether the cause has the effect that you want or not. Yeah, there's still something to attach yourself to, and um. People have been very emotional to be attached to something. Yeah. And I think when it comes to the conversation about Cuba, especially us that are Cuban Americans, we don't we don't really know. We could be very proud of our culture and very proud of everything that kind of like uh, the older community has kind of taught us about who we are. But there's still a country that's not even it's what 90 miles away that we don't know what to do. Yeah. And that's why someone giving us some kind of direction to put it somewhere where it can go to a good use, I think is very important. And I'll, I'll note, you know, in, in my more activist past, uh, two things that, that the organization I was on the board of uh, was very good about. And I, I left that group. I had beefs with, like, what it sort of became. But What? You uh, had beefs with people? Believe it or not. Uh, but, but two things that I think we, we did really well were uh number one what we were just talking about like finding ways for every time somebody came to us and like wanted to get really deeply involved it wasn't like oh well this is what we need you to do so go do that it was like what are you already doing right are are you uh are you in hr okay you're gonna help us recruit or manage people uh are you a communications person you're gonna be you know the one who does our interviews uh you're a journalist guy you're gonna you know or you're currently in co- whatever whatever it might you're be write things. yeah whatever that might be and so i think that you can bring that into your own personal situation as, you know rather than sort of like okay this is my current life and then where what is the outside of all my normal life like where does cuba fit outside that circle i, I think what makes more sense is how can I take the energy that I'm already putting out into the world and like redirect some of it toward Cuba? I think we're doing some of that with this podcast. Yeah. Um, 
you know, but I'm sure that in, in anybody's case, whether it's the two of us or people listening, there's other examples of that. The other thing <clears throat> that I think is important and that will be a focus of mine as, you know, this thing starts to take shape, whatever it might be, is to be cognizant of where is the consensus, right? Because uh, I could, if I really wanted to, uh, say, oh, let's do a petition to get X or Y politician to say a thing. And that's just going to, like, piss somebody off, right? Every, someone will always be dissatisfied with what you're doing. But, or what is the objective? Well, oh, you know, let's, uh, the objective is... Uh, we want to see, I don't know, some kind of sanctions on Cuba or have them lifted or whatever. And that's going to, that's going to alienate people when there are, there's too many opportunities for consensus. Like for example, we want to see this one dude who insulted a cop not be in prison anymore. Like that's too obvious a consensus place for us to spend a lot of energy argue like we can argue after we've solved that one guy's problem right right we can argue about whether or or in a separate conversation but to not allow ourselves to come together around this thing that we all very clearly agree on right this guy should not be in prison right now that's bullshit let's solve that problem or these people's phones should be charged or it would be better that this guy say something that whatever that might be like find the things that can actually uh, bring people together around a particular objective uh, and capitalize on that consensus rather than like always you know, and forever being embroiled in these things that are just bound to lead to arguments and fights. And sometimes they're fights worth having, but not at the expense of progress on consensus areas. Mm. Uh, so anyway, I know that's all very vague because we haven't really like decided what exactly wow, this thing so is. So vague. Um, so vague, but we're all in a vague place. But I will say, it, it, whatever it is that I go and do, it will be through uh, this One Cuba thing, not to be confused with Cuba One. Very uh, different. Which came after One Cuba. Yep. One Cuba is uh, is a petition campaign that started uh, in uh, when Benedict was going to Cuba, and we will revive that brand, which, by the way, you know... Uh, w- in in case people think like, oh, what can I do? Who would pay attention? I think we we did it very smartly, and we got the attention of people. You know, like for example, uh, uh, we got coverage by I want to say like the AP and Fox News Latino, uh, and a bunch of other a bunch of other press. Uh, we had we got statements in support of the campaign from everybody from Ileana Ross Lettinen to Carlos Frias to Debbie Wasserman Schultz to. Um, yeah, so there's a, a bunch of characters. Uh, Carlos Ade, who wrote "Waiting for Snow in Havana." Uh, uh, so there's a lot that can be accomplished with very few people and with like a very narrow focus, and that's kind of you know the the approach that I'll be taking to to all of this. Not to mention the fact that if we give ourselves too big of a goal, we're gonna burn ourselves out. Like I don't have the bandwidth, you don't have the bandwidth. We have a million fucking things going on. But if I we know. can, but if we can identify that one little thing and just laser focus on that whatever energy we have to give if you try to do too many things you're going to fail at too many things right and and it's tough because i i'm the kind of like i i want i love to attack things but there's no focus focus to attack anything now right i think if we could just get one thing accomplished which the one thing now would be you know the guy who just told the fucking cop to go fuck himself to get him out of jail would be great right so i guess that's where we end this I mean, I guess so. I think this went on long enough that it actually will be a podcast thing. Really? Yeah. 
How long was this? Well, I don't know how much of this time we spent on ball stretching, but we're <laughs> we're at like forty eight minutes. This is, uh, and I also started recording earlier. Like it might be closer to half an hour, but you know, whatever. It, it's probably still worth putting out there. Yeah. Okay. My parting recommendation is to eat all of your peanut butter and jelly sandwiches just with the butts of bread. That's, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on the next episode of Pinecom Podcast, you'll find out why. <laughs> right. I look forward to seeing that on the next Bitter Souls menu. <laughs> <laughs>